0: going to invite Annalisa on stage. This is going to be really fun this morning. She has a great story. We had a Bridgeway staff retreat this past weekend in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, the hillbilly capital of the world, I think. And one of the things, let's do it right this time, ready? Uh, This morning she did that and I was like, whoa, what happened? Um, (laughs) One of the things that we talked about is one of the things that God is doing at Bridgeway is a lot of people are telling their stories. And if you remember when Jack Deere came here, he did not dominate through the Greek or Hebrew. He told the story of the suicide of his own father, the suicide of his own son, and people were deeply impacted by Jack's story, not his competency. And a lot of times we want to learn a skill to try to teach other people, and it comes from more of a place of insecurity than it does just relaxing in our own story. Everyone has a story. And so Thursday night, your name popped up in my kitchen, my mom, my mom, that's a Freudian slip, my wife, my... Uh, Oh.
1: Is Wendy here? Yes.
0: My, my wife. I'll get some inner healing later. Uh, my wife mentioned your name, and I had no idea that the next morning I would have a Holy Spirit set up when I saw you and Kyle, your husband, standing in the parking lot of our school across the street. And I knew I had to pray for you. And then I prayed for you, and then you started telling a story. And I said, wait a minute, I want our family to hear this story. So you just have fun telling the story, because it's awesome.
1: Thanks, brother. So back in November of last year, I attended a meeting in Dallas. And in a crowd of 300 people, the Lord highlighted a woman. And he said, go to her. I want her to know that she is my child. And as I approached her and introduced myself to her, and for the sake of the story, we're going to call her Jane, Jane from the D.C. area, she was brokenhearted, heavy in spirit, and something was clearly troubling her. So I prayed over her, and then that was it. Um, I didn't think I would ever see her again. And so in April of this year, I went to a meeting in Philadelphia, and there she was. She quickly came up to me and said, thank you so much for praying for me back in Dallas. As a matter of fact, at that time, my husband had just left me. I was in complete shock. And here I was, a single woman in my 50s, now raising a 20-year-old daughter on my own. She said, hey, as a matter of fact, you know, I'm running half marathons across different states. I've already run 16 different states and I've never been to South Carolina. I hear that there's a half marathon in the fall. Um, I think I'll sign up and, and maybe you and I can, can meet up during that weekend. And the Lord tell, told me, invite her into your home. Welcome her into your home and support her through this. And so we did and she agreed. And so last week was a Greenville half marathon. And as I was driving downtown to the start of the race, The Holy Spirit said, now offer to run the race with her. (laughs) Now, this wasn't like, Holy Spirit, that's a fantastic idea. I'm ready. Let's go. No. I was saying, are you nuts? I've not trained in years. And as a matter of fact, the last time I ran a half marathon, I blew out my knees. There's no way I can do this with her. And Holy Spirit said, just trust me in this. So as we launched off in the race, um, here I am trying to figure out why is the Holy Spirit having me do this crazy thing? He said, just trust me physically, mentally, spiritually, and what, what I'm doing here. At mile six, Jane sprained her hamstring. She fell to the ground in agonizing pain, crying out for help. And at that point, Spirit said, press your thumbs upon her hamstring, kneel beside her, and pray for her. And as I did, she got up and I said, okay, you ready to, to just, you know, let's just go, let's go get medical help. She said, no, I'm not going to quit. So she put her arms around me and we hobbled the next three miles. But in those three miles, the Lord had her release burdens of her past, of burdens of physical and mental abuse from her father of the hurts that she experienced from the divorce of her first husband. And now just going through this guilt of having to raise a daughter on her own. And so by mile nine, the Lord healed her of her hamstring. Glory. Yes. So by the end of the race, it wasn't just about, The Lord working this miracle in her physically, but mentally and spiritually, he was captivating her soul. So, but God wasn't done yet. As Chad mentioned, we ran into him on Thursday and that Thursday morning, I think you were talking about running or training for a marathon. And I said, no, no, no. Those days are over for me. I'm retired, blew out my knees. And he said, let's just go ahead and pray right now. I said, okay. Okay. So I don't remember much about what Chad prayed for, except two things. First thing is, close your eyes, get into a time machine, and think of the friendliest and the most kind person you've ever met in your life. And from there, I felt the overwhelming presence of the Lord. And he said, I'm here with you today, not only healing your needs, but I've been with you I'm the same Lord, the same Abba to you yesterday and in the past when I healed you of the atrocities of your own childhood and the abuse that you endured. I healed you of your marriage four years ago when the enemy was at it trying to consume you. And I've secured your lot in me forever. And just like your friend Jane, nothing can separate you from the great love I have for you.
0: Hang on. Uh, where did you go to seminary? You didn't go? Did you take a class here to train you on how to do that? You know, the fun part about your story is you're in the business world. You're, you've fallen in love with Jesus. Your heart's connected to the Father. And so then after your heart's been connected to Him, and your, your past is full of brokenness too, He now uses you wherever you're at. And Sovereignly bumps you into Jane twice in two different cities. Right. Would you just uh, speak a blessing over this house that we would not see this building as church, but we realize we are the church and we would uh, have the courage to step out like you did?
1: Yes, Lord. Lord, we come with willing hearts to be launched out into the city, into our communities, into our neighbors, and just have a show the heart of you, Lord, to others, the love, the great love you have for your children and how you pursue us so relentlessly in wanting us back. We are already equipped by the power of your spirit to do this. And so let us receive it in your holy name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you. Jesus replied, love the Lord, your God, with all of your heart and with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You ever wonder why heart comes before soul and mind? Why is heart first? You know, if God gets our minds, he only has a part of us. If he gets your heart, he's got all of you. Brad, that baby's not bothering me. If you want to stay in here, I don't care. Imagine Moses taking the Israelites across the Red Sea. Where's the childcare workers? I think they all just jumped in and went. (laughs) Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. I'm so uh, full of just freshness this morning coming off the bridgeway staff retreat the greatest revelations we get are the ones you learned 30 years ago you know the father not only loves you he likes you a lot and he sent his son to reconnect you to him and there's so many people in here you know theologically and in your dogma your doctrine that he died for you but if you're not careful you become more addicted to a theology than you can a literal connection That's why we should never allow anyone to interpret the scriptures to us who's not in love with him. Not what decision did you make a long time ago or even what did God do in your life five years ago? What's he doing today? Where's the fresh oil today? I love the fact that Jesus said, look, love him with all of your heart. And the more you study the word love there and the more you understand that he said heart before he said your mind, it's a big difference. And so we find ourselves in a series called The Two Trees. And this week is the third week on this series. This past week, I had a moment with my 14 year old son. He said something, I don't even remember what he said. Where are you? Somewhere over there. He's hiding. He's not in here. He's center. Where's my son, Sam? He's downstairs serving. Thank you, Father. Um, And Sam said something and when he said it, I thought, oh my gosh, it was even the way he said it, the way he, it was like, it was me. And then I have a seven year or eight year old now and on a weekly basis, it is uncanny. How many things Jack will do, which a lot of the times it's charming and adorable. Most of the time it's not (laughs) to where it's like, oh my gosh, I have sinned father. I have passed that on to him. What Wendy thought was cute 22 years ago when she met me, she now has an offspring of mine that acts just like me. In some moments, it's great. In some moments, it's not. And this is where we get the terminology, the apple never. Yeah. So a lot of us mimic what we've seen, a brother or a sister, or a mother, or a father. And you know what? It's really an amoral concept. It's like a brick. I can build a house with a bunch of bricks or I can take a brick and throw it through a window. It's like money. Money's not the root of evil. The love of money is evil. And so the terminology of apple never falls too far from the tree, it could be good or bad. For some of us, man, that's pretty good. I'm I, just completing a book right now based upon what I learned about God through a woman named Jane, my mama Jane, called Mama Jane Secrets. But for some of us in here, that's not really a good thing. And we find ourselves being in Christ 30, 40, 50 years but if someone were to walk around with us and evaluate even our personality characteristics, they'd say, man, you, you seem to mimic more of your natural family tree than tree number two, which is the father's tree, which is a literal tree, where his personality's characteristics are love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness. A lot of people, if they spied on us, they would say, well, you believe in Christ and you made a decision so you don't have to go to hell. Walking out your life, you seem to mimic more tree number one where you look more like Uncle Johnny than you do Jesus Christ. And see, the reason I think it's so important, the greatest commandment, is this whole thing is about a love affair. It's a love affair of the heart, the Father's heart. And when my heart becomes connected to his, I accidentally start acting like him. And a lot of people even, behind, even hide behind charismatic cultures and they even hide behind anointings and the father can give you anointing and you never do the work of releasing your heart to his to become one. I used to really love Coldplay back in the day when I wrote, um, I wrote a book called Signs and Wonders and a Baptist Preacher and I listened to Coldplay all the time and I was writing it. I don't know why, but I did. And there's a line in one of their songs. No, 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 Cranberries. In, in, in a song by the Cranberries, it says, you have my heart, now don't hurt me. You have my heart, now don't hurt me. I think a lot of us want to believe in a doctrine. And we don't want to go to hell, but when it comes to being vulnerable with each other and being vulnerable with the Father, because of so many um, atrocities of tree one, we're skeptical to go into tree two because we'd rather just believe in God than to fully give him our hearts. Because to open up your hearts to fully give yourselves even to God, there's a chance that you may get hurt. And so what we do is we self-protect and we even hide behind charismatic terminology. Oh, brother, I got wrecked today. You know, the Father really wants to love you. That his paradigm of wrecking you is through love. Wrecked with love. And I believe in anointings, man, I really do. I, I believe in fifold, I believe in anointings, I believe in church structure. But, but here's what if you're not careful. You can hide behind a fictitious paradigm in your mind and go a whole life in tree one when tree two was available to you to where you literally can become best friends with the father of the universe. And so today I want to talk about three practical things that we can choose into to move from tree one to tree two. Tree two is a place where the father really is your father. You know how you know you're growing with him? is not when you're going just to profess how great your faith is right now, or maybe to pray for somebody, or you just feel all full of power. It's can you go, with him, can you go to him in the same amount of passion when you have a lot of questions? I had a breakthrough with the Father uh, two Friday nights ago when I just went to him and I said, I'm struggling. And I said, I'm struggling bad. In my past paradigm of The God life, I probably would not have been too passionate, too quick to do that. From that Friday night till now, especially at the staff retreat, I feel like I've just taken the trash out in in, even in my own soul a little bit. You know, confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. How about this? Confess to your father what's really on your heart and you may find him to be more kind than you ever thought he was in the first place. uh, So much of it is on our end though. When it comes to love, it takes two to tango. It takes two to be vulnerable. My wife's out of town this week, and this morning, you know, we've been together now 22 years, been married 20 years, we've dated for two years. This morning, I texted her, she went to the airport really early, and I texted her, I said, it's been a long time since i felt this, but like, my heart hurts. Like, this hurts. I don't like you being gone. Let's be honest, there's some time in our marriages you wouldn't mind a trip away for a few days. Y'all don't look at me that way. All that Hallmark garbage. And I didn't like it. And like for 10 minutes, it didn't it didn't feel right. I said, Father, what is this? He said, Chad, it's love. Oh, yeah. If you're not careful, you'll turn God into a formula for your own stinking destiny. I almost said stupid, but I'm not supposed to say stupid. Your destiny is his heart. My destiny is him. This is where the shalom of tree two resides. You want to make the enemy more nervous? You know what makes the enemy way more nervous in spiritual warfare and fancy charismatic prayers? Carry so much shalom that it, it paranoies him. He can't stand it. Here's the deal though. There's not a little ferry that brings the tree two boat that takes you into it. The invitation came at the cross, and the only way you get into tree two and stay there is by changing the way you think. And so I want to go after a couple of, I want to go after three ways and confront three lies that can get you into tree two and stay there where he is your father. The first one's Matthew 23. It gets no better than this. I, uh, my brother and I were raised working at these Christian sports camps called Cross Point. I can't tell you how many Bible studies I led and how many times I would preach to 150, 200 children at a time. Uh, There's no telling, over 100 at least. And there was this little kid named Ronnie. One day I was given a Bible study. I was 23 years old. And Ronnie, he was from a fundamentalist camp. And I'll never forget it. Ronnie would fit in perfect, uh, Pigeon Forge area. He had that kind of University of Tennessee look to him. He had that hat. (laughs) He had that that hat kind of cocked backwards and he looked at me and he said brother if it's written in red you better listen <laughs> and i've never forgot that so this is written in red so ronnie wherever you are this is in your honor go vols here it goes matthew 23 9 number one way to get into tree two: do not call anyone on earth father for you have one father and he is in heaven um, you know, I, I went to Beeson Divinity School, and I have so many fond memories of Beeson, and I also have so many memories that, that I wish I didn't have. And one of them was I felt like such an outcast because it seemed like everything we studied, there'd be five views to it. And for too long, I was wondering, was Lazarus even raised from the grave? Well, you know, Jonah really probably, maybe, maybe there's one view. Maybe he wasn't swallowed by a fish. And perhaps the book of Revelation is these 30 interpretations. You know, sometimes when the Lord says something, it's not great. It is what it is. So be careful before, well, you understand the context here. Perhaps the Lord knows something we don't know. Perhaps until you really see the father as your father and not your earthly father as your father, whoever raised you, perhaps that may be the biggest barrier between tree one and tree two. A lot of people in this room are waiting for the father to send you your spiritual father to raise you in the tree too. And the reason he's not going to send a spiritual father to raise you in the tree too is because he wants to do it himself. Parasitic cultures does not make heaven happy. A lot of times we live off the faith and the blood of someone else. And what I'm saying is there comes a point where literally you have to find your own identity in who he says you are. This is the biblical basis for where we're going for. Who's my father? The father. You see, a lot of people, even in this room, you see the father is like the one who is distant and hidden and sent his son to the cross. But yet, Hebrews 1 says, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the father. Jesus says in the upper room to Thomas, if you've seen me, you've seen him. That is the father in the flesh. They are one. And when you look at Jesus, he sure does seem to be anything but distant. With the people, touching the people, with the sinners, very present. What we don't know can kill us, Hosea 4, 6, and we don't even realize that this father is not just in heaven, but his spirit now resides in me. But here's the deal, this is tree two terminology. The only way you get there is changing the way you think, and I've never, ever, not one time ever seen anyone get into tree two based on the faith of someone else. Ever. I've never seen it happen. I am 100% responsible for my own spiritual formation. A lot of times people who are on their knees just saying, please just bring that magical mentor into my life. He's saying your mentor lives inside of you. So, what we do is we say, Well, Father just got me in a season of testing. No, it's a season of ignorance because you don't know what the Word says about you. You know, heaven really gets confused. We we throw terminology around, it sounds real spiritual. I'm in a season of wilderness. It's a season of ignorance many times. Here's when you know it's a season of wilderness sent from the Father when you respond in that wilderness season the way Jesus did in his wilderness with what the Word said about him. This is, this is basically the message of, okay, all right. My nervous breakdown at 28, I saw blind eyes open at 29. Who mentored me to a nervous breakdown to blind eyes open? There was no mentor. I didn't have, matter of fact, not only was there not a mentor, I thought, I gotta be quiet. People are gonna think I'm crazy. Where was the mentor? Who, who, I'll tell you who mentored me. His name is Abba. And you can't take it away from me now. 17 years later, you can't take it away. You can't take it away. It what a privilege! Oh yeah, I feel like the Holy Spirit is showing me something. Um, two times in the past ten days, He's woken me up at four forty-four a.m. Four forty-four a.m., which is not normal. I have no idea why the Father can't just wait till noon. I don't know what it is. There's there's like a time discrepancy between heaven and earth. I don't know what it is. It's like, do you not know what time it is down here? Uh, I have some friends in England. They text me all the time, and I'm like. You guys understand I'm five hours behind you. You don't put your phone on ringer and it wakes you up. Anyway, Father's woke me up at 4.44 a.m. And both times, you know, I can tell the difference when I'm just waking up because I've eaten too much, too much cheese at midnight or whatever. And the difference and the Father waking you up. Can you, you guys can discern the difference? Uh, and at both times I said, why are you waking me up? And he said, John 4.44. Then on staff retreat, he said, John 4.44. Let me go over here for a second. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. If you're a pastor and you can't find John, that's probably, I can understand not finding Habakkuk. You get fired over not finding John. Still haven't found it. Now, Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. Okay. Where am I going with this? Most of us, if we could choose, would want to be surrounded by people who know who we are in the Spirit, who celebrate our anointing. The better place to get groomed is for the Father to to place you in a place where you're not honored for that gift. It's good, it's just not fun. I see way more people um, healed in (laughs) power encounters when I'm not here. And here's the deal, not only am I not bashing that, I love being here. I'd rather be here. So many of you, you knew me, you've known me for a long, 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 long time. I go somewhere else, Somebody reads my book, it's like, oh, you're amazing. I'm like, I'm not that amazing. Come to my church. I'm Chad. But see, I like it here. I like it around family. Let's just be honest. Don't, don't sit here and look at me that way. It is easier to notice what's on someone that you're not married to and you don't do life every day. The highest form of revelation of the Spirit about someone else's anointing is can you see it on your spouse, can you see it on your kids? That is possible, that is possible. It is much easier to see it on a guest speaker. Other guest speakers that I know, we laugh a lot when we travel because when you travel, you're like a celebrity. And I'm just saying, I don't think that this is an all, I, this what the Lord's saying here. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's an intentional grooming thing. Because... Who am I really receiving honor from? The lips of man, which many times is flattery, or from the voice of my father? The father knew me before he put me in my mother's womb. I came into the world naked. He knows me on my worst hour, my worst minute. He knows all my thoughts and still honors me. I'll take that one, please. Thank you. I'll take that right there. But here's the difference, though. The only difference in tree two and tree one is people in tree two really believe that, because a lot of us go back to tree one and we highlight Genesis three because we only, only relate to God basically on how good of a week we've had with Him, and so we manage our own sin. And I can't really get into tree two and receive honor from the Father because I haven't deserved it. Well, you don't have a revelation of the cross. We don't understand what the cross is. The fun part about deep friendship with God is you realize. All of this, I only deserve it because of Jesus, but I do deserve it. I do deserve for him to be my father. There's no higher There's no higher message. Because the Lord said, in this world, you will have problems. If you're not in a storm right now, there's one coming. The only difference that, that keeps someone strong in the middle of a storm and someone who's not, it's not anointing, it's your own revelation on who is your father. Because he's the anchor I hold on to. When it's raining, when it's not raining. When it's good, when it's bad. Sometimes people say this is all you talk about. I, yeah, it is. I don't know what else to talk about. All right, let's go to 2 Timothy 1 6. Here's a second way to get out of tree one. These are basically three ways to pull the pacifiers out of our mouth. Second Timothy 1 6, and I say weak, it's it's all of us. Second Timothy 1 6. Okay. Um for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Okay, hang on a second. This is Paul raising Timothy. And then Paul says to Timothy, Timothy had a timidity problem. He had some Gideon going on. He's a coward. He was really like overly bashful, overly shy. I love what Charlie Thompson said at our staff retreat this week. God loves introverts, but it's not okay to be introvert and to remain hidden. or or to remain in the background. Like, just because you're introvert doesn't mean you're not supposed to fully engage others with your heart, fully engage God. And so Paul says, listen, Timothy, and he gives him some advice here. He says, I've laid hands on you already. You've received the anointing now. It's up to you to fan your own flame. There may be nothing I am more excited about right now on Revelation than I am this concept right here. I walked into a healing service one time. I was getting ready to pray for healing at the old church service, at the old uh, church building. And when I walked in, I said, Father, I just asked you to stir me up. He said, you stir yourself up. (laughs) <laughs> this, is what he, this is what he's saying uh, I, I, this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God in other words you've already been given something for the father uh, when it comes to your fire and praying for fire stir yourself up in your most holy faith Instead of saying, I just need, I just, I need someone else to be my father because he's so hidden. I can't see him, taste him, touch him, feel him, hear him. I just need someone else to stir my own fire up. I I don't, I don't know who's mentored me into this. I, I, I have, I don't, I don't know the last three years who's mentoring me to be a lead pastor. Well, I do know. His name is Abba. I'm being serious. I like to take walks with him, I like to talk to him about everything. I asked him something this morning that's not life or death. And he has a sense of humor. He's a person. But here's the deal. He doesn't control how close we get because it takes two to tango. So loving the Lord your God with all your heart does not mean looking for another father somewhere and looking for someone else to fan your flame. And, and see orphans say, you're so mean. I'm going to go find a church that serves better coffee and is nicer. We should never invest, don't ever invest in a place or a message that what they call challenge is really just warm milk to enable your own insecurities. Fan your own flame. I'm speaking to myself. I've I've never had, think of any famous pastor you know, they've never knocked on my door. I've never had communion come to me and the bread say, Chad, I spoke through a burning bush and now I speak to you. (laughs) I go to communion. Communion. I go to communion. The way you get in tree twos, you fan your own flame. Here's a third lie. By the way, you know how you fan your own flame the best? Enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise every morning when your eyes open. Not when you feel it. Can you imagine if our marriages were dictated by what we feel? <laughs> Don't laugh too loud now. Your spouse is right beside you. Can't, I mean, there's nothing wrong with feelings at all. Nothing. As a matter of fact, I gave a word about it this morning. But if you're led by them, perhaps we need to enter his thanks cor- Thanksgiving, whatever, enter his courts of Thanksgiving and praise. This, uh, this week on Staff Retreat, I felt so much lighter than when I first got there. And honestly, this is because of what, what happened. I just got a lot of things off my chest this weekend. Being a lead pastor sometimes, you know, you, people don't like you. And I wish, I know Jesus lives inside of us, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not there yet. But what happened was I stirred my own faith up by confession and I got it out of me and I feel light. That's what happens when we enter his courts with Thanksgiving and and praise. Like I can't wait for the fall season to get here and it gets a little bit cool and I, don't you like it with that real wood? I don't like the fake fires. I like the real wood. Well, you get about two hours into it. You can get that thing to where that flame is blue, um, Me and Darren Wilson have a good friend named Brian Schwartz. He played NFL football. He was in my house about a year and a half ago. And the fire was so hot. I looked over and he was like he was in a sauna. He's like, bro, I don't want to be disrespectful. Can you please open the door? And that's what happens. When you start a fire, it's different than three hours in. I love that three hours in. When that thing is blue, it's 18 degrees outside and you have your windows open. Because it's so hot. That's the way it works. You're not really feeling it, but you just come. You say, Father, I just come into your throne room. And Father, I just want to thank you. Still not feeling anything. I just want to thank you for how awesome you are. You're amazing. Father, this whole thing is about you. And all of a sudden, that thing starts to shift. And within five minutes, you're on your face. Well, how'd it happen? Well, brother, God moved. God didn't move. You fanned your own flame. But here's what we do. We'll church hop. And you're going to go find that church that, that fans your flame. And the father's saying, quit opposing my principles. Yeah. Yeah. Father, show me a picture right now. A lot of you listening to podcasts are in settings in churches where you wish there was um, a hotter flame. And he's saying, you stir it up. stirred up with honor undercover. <laughs> you know, here's what happens. Here's what happens. I, I love doing this because a, a guy really never fully grows up. I love to go get sticks outside. When that flame gets blue in my fireplace, when it, when it gets like lava hot, I love to just throw stuff on the fire. And it is like, woof. That, is, that is what happens in a community when a bunch of us are fanning our own flame, it becomes contagious. Even right now with me speaking the way I am, it's like, somebody's about to get prayed for. All right. All right. First John 2, 27, this is the third little lie that I want to kick in the mouth. Because we just, I just wish God would anoint me. This print is too small. i got to find a different Bible. I can't find it. Here we go. Uh, As for you, the anointing you receive from him. Hang on a second. The anointing you receive from him. Okay. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you. If I just had so-and-so's anointing. Let me make sure I understand what we're saying here. Let's just get practical. Just like the guy that eats bread all the time and cannot believe why he or she can't lose weight. Well, it may be the bread. Not a doctor. Might be the bread. Going to go out on a limb here. Drink a case of Coke a day, and I got kidney stones. God, Eloai, loy, Sabai Really. This is what we say, because I just want to get real this morning. When I get off this stage in a second, it happens every Sunday morning. A lot of people make a beeline to me. You know what you're really saying. You won't admit it. We think that, um, well, perhaps Brother Chad has something I don't have. The last time I checked. Spirit of Jesus Christ resides in us. The dream that I had uh, eight weeks ago, the two little kids raised that person from the dead. It wasn't me. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. A lot of us rather have an impartation from someone else's anointing than to go get with the Father ourselves and to understand how we've already been anointed when we ask Jesus Christ to come reside inside of us. Who anointed me from nervous breakdown to blind eyes open? I didn't fly to South Africa and get Rodney Howard Brown to pray for him. I didn't know who he was. I didn't understand any of this stuff. You want to know how I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? (laughs) I was by myself sitting on a black futon at 2.30 in the morning. I laid my right hand on my head, did my other hand like this, and I said, Lord Jesus, I want to receive the Holy Spirit the way you did. No, I said, Father, I want to receive the Holy Spirit the way Jesus did. No angels manifested, didn't shake. That next morning, morning, I woke up and I said, Wendy, something is way different. I baptized myself in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and then this is what I did. I remember uh, getting a hold of, um, gosh, God led me to Miles Monroe's teaching on this Rediscovering the Kingdom. And I spent $550 of my own cash, not someone else's, my own cash, and I bought every one of the CDs. It was 17 volumes, I believe. And I couldn't stop devouring revelation from the word. And then I read a book by, um, I can't remember, on who I am in Christ. I took every verse that I read, and I wrote them on note cards. At one time, I had around six, 700 note cards. And I'd read them all the time. I took my wife's lipstick, and I put it up on the mirror about who I am in Christ. And something started to happen, this Mark 4 principle. The more I stirred myself up, the more I realized I was already anointed. And when I saw Gail's blind eyes open, it didn't come through the anointing of some great man or woman of God. We're all great because he lives inside of us. But here's the problem. You're waiting on someone else to give you something you already have. That ain't smart. Tree two is one thought away. I'm 35 seconds over time. This thing's blinking at me, so... May we never just, um, why don't you stand up, I'm going to speak a blessing over us. Don't just entertain one thought. Because Lot's journey out of Sodom and Gomorrah, you can start off well, have a couple of good thoughts, and then yeah, glance back towards whatever your Egypt is. Just sever that thing. Get into tree two and then strap yourself in there with your own cords. Because there is a storm coming, and when it comes, just hang on to Abba. It's more fun that way. Here's the, here's the awesome thing about the Father. Um, being in tree two does not keep the storms away. Matter of fact, it actually attract even bigger storms because he, he knows you can handle and you can help a lot of people get into tree two. In the name of Jesus Christ, may you not ever blame anyone for what you don't have in God. Go in peace. God bless.